This is the Gartner Podcast for Supply Chain Leaders. Hello and welcome to the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas O'Connor, and each month I sit down with some of Gartner's best thinkers, innovators, and leaders to share with you the most up-to-date strategic insights and tactical tips you need to drive supply chain success. And this month, we're exploring the concept of how supply chain can reduce, manage, and benefit from complexity using a life cycle approach, not just for products, but across the operating model. And joining me today to discuss this concept is my wonderful colleague, Jennifer Loveland. Jennifer, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me today. Looking forward to it. Now, Jennifer, you've just published the Supply Chain Executive Report, Tame Complexity with an Operating Model Lifecycle. Gartner clients, I strongly recommend you check out Jennifer's report on Gartner.com or via the link in the show notes. And I wanted to start our discussion today with something that I know resonates with me and I'm sure with many of those in our audience, how our world, including the operating models that drive our businesses are increasingly complex and why we need to start more consciously managing this growing complexity to help drive innovation in our organizations. It's a problem I think we've all been having a long time, but let me start here with a few things that might sound familiar to you. So first, somebody comes and says, hey, technology has so many great opportunities. We need to set up a team that runs a ton of pilots so we can find new ways to use them in our processes and add new processes. We've found great applications of AI and smart machines so that we can augment our employees' decision-making. Challenges, they're going to need new skills. Oh, and by the way, the business is expanding into new product categories, into e-commerce and direct-to-consumer volumes exploding. So we're going to need to provide some new experience in new places. Oh, yeah, and disruption is going to continue and accelerate. So we're going to need to add some suppliers and sites so that we have more redundancy. So the key theme here is more. So is more good or bad? Well, our research and experience tells us it's both. So why is it important to talk about it now? Well, the unchecked complexity growth has probably been happening for a while. It is accelerating a bit. And supply chains will always have some complexity. But we are all having this discussion about how disruption has increased in the past few years. And most of the folks I speak with have an expectation we're going to kind of be in this environment of perpetual disruption. So agility... Um, is at the top of pretty much every supply chain strategy to cope with this. And to have agility, it's really important to separate the valuable complexity from that that kind of weighs down results. Um, It becomes critical to us being able to succeed in this kind of disruptive environment. Basically, operating model complexity is a a double-edged sword. So when we have complexity, it adds value. But every time we have a benefit of value, there's an equal challenge with execution. We did some surveys on this and basically everybody was split um, kind of 50-50. So they basically said allowing innovation ideas to flourish, um, you know, is adding complexity and complexity allows us to innovate more. Um, It maximizes and increases our ability to innovate. But the weight of the complexity makes actually implementing and scaling those innovations difficult. And this is something we've heard the last few years. Similarly, the more complexity supply chain manages, the harder it is to maintain reliability and service level. So we reduce customer satisfaction and add costs and add risks. 
So the reason that we um, did this report is how do we kind of handle the fact that supply chains have unchecked complexity growth, we are adding but not subtracting. How do we balance the fact that complexity is good and bad, um, that it adds value but challenges execution? And given that swift pivots and being able to execute kind of at scale are even more critical during persistent disruption, what can we do to more consciously shape complexity? Really interesting, Jenny, and um, definitely get why this this report's been published. This idea of the double-edged sword of complexity of how it's critical to both drive our growth of the organization, but it's also weighing us down in many different aspects. And it brings me back to that that component of your actual executive report title, you know, around how operating models have these life cycles. And many of us are really familiar with that type of terminology for products, but could you dig a little bit deeper into this idea of how they help in relation to operating model complexity? Absolutely. I think it's a great point. So so first thing is, um, I know a lot of us in supply chain may have not have great experience with uh, product lifecycle management. So I'm not saying we're going to bring the ineffective aspects over, but the main concept we want to bring over is this kind of idea that things go from cradle to grave. So at each stage of kind of bringing something on board and uh, launching it and using it, we can think about how we add, how we design, how we handle the existing complexity and how we remove it to reduce, manage and benefit from it. So, you know, the the way I think about the life cycle and, and kind of how we um, currently do it reminds me of my toddlers. So, uh, and their toys basically. So I have a four and a five-year-old um, boys. So whenever they see a toy, they want it. Um, so they really wanna add the complexity. Um, and then the next thing we do is we get it and we kind of don't really have any rules about getting it because we're softies, so we get it. And then we have this big pile and every time we pick up a toy to use it, it seems to be missing a piece. So you can't completely do what it was supposed to do. Um, and then at some point, you know, I step on a Lego and I look at the kids and I'm like, it's time to donate some toys. Why don't we use this one? And they'll say, oh, but it's my favorite. And they haven't played with it for months before then, but now they want to keep it. So we kind of do that within supply chain. So there's a, you know, kind of a difference between people that are good at managing complexity and those that are really leading. So when you're adding complexity, what folks basically do is have you know policies that are one in or one out and are really trying to constrain um, complexity. So Schneider Electric does um, a lot of these best practices in their technology process. So um, though at the beginning of adding complexity, they will let the five different regions go experiment with the technology that they're gonna roll out. What they do at the beginning is they say, hey, we're going to come back in a year and we have the scaling committee and we're going to look at what everybody's implemented and we're going to choose one and only one home for a capability to exist. And that's what we're going to support and integrate into our architecture. And so there's kind of a carrot for people to get rid of the extra ones and go back to a single component because they can't keep all the specialist resources at a manufacturing site. And, and so they get that from the central organization. So it helps them give equal thought to, um, to stopping complexity and ensuring things will scale uh, as much as they're looking at what they should add. And when you move to that second step of actually buying something, so, so the designing of it, really what you're looking for there are standards and principles. 
And when you think about both of these aspects at the beginning of adding complexity, you can go faster. So in the Schneider example, they're actually deploying technology four or five times faster than the traditional approaches they used. So traditionally, it would take you know three plus years to get a few sites to adopt something. And today, um, they can get strong adoption to in more than 100 sites in six to 12 months. So it's a really big impact to think differently about when you're deciding what to add and how you actually add it. Then we move into the act of actually using the complexity. Um, and a lot of what we do is we, we kind of add things and then we kind of forget about it. And so most people don't have a process to look at what's going on and see if they should actually um, still have it. So they're not making sure that that it's providing impact and benefit. So Schneider, in both their technology and in their skill capability um, development, have regular reviews to look at what's being used, what's not, what's the value, and then they have rules to shut things off. Really interesting, Jenny. And I'm hearing, you know, in that Schneider example, uh, some real elements of life cycle coming through in in that um, operating model complexity, how they're dealing with it, and you know the idea of retiring. Uh, processes, et cetera. And it aligns up with how we at Gartner define life cycle phases, you know, the traditional retire, align, create, execute, and sustain. Now, when we think about those life cycle phases, how effective are supply chains today really across those areas? And is there one area or two that you'd want to really dive into to, to give a bit of an example where maybe there's a surprise or there's some insight for our, our audience today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think the simplest thing is given that we're not actively thinking about it as a life cycle, we're not too effective at pretty much all of them. So the, the first step is acknowledging we have the problem. Um, you know, retire that we just touched on is absolutely the weakest. Uh, so if you focus on anything, think about what we talked about there. But in the align, create, and execute phases, we pretty much need to just adjust what we're doing um, and consider complexity. So the one that I would really dive into in addition to retire is sustain. Um, and you know, when I talk to folks about strategic planning, the first thing I say is don't get fancy, you have to match your change pipe. So your ability to actually get ideas through, um, sustain them and have people uh, continue to adhere to them is is just as important as all the great ideas you come up with. And we're pretty bad at this. So employees circumvented 50% of the last processes they completed. And we know that that impacts customer satisfaction and performance and ultimately leads to lost sales. So there's some really interesting points on how do you improve adherence. So a lot of us, you know, when we do change management, we rightfully think, hey, if we tell people why we're doing it, then they'll support it. Um, but the research on adherence has kind of an interesting nuance. It actually says that doesn't help so much. Um, focus on making it easier for people to do it, making it clear what they have to do, and, and focusing on accountability. And so there's some new tools that can help you do that. So to figure out where things are hard and where to focus, um, there's things like process mining and task mining. Um, and so Siemens has applied that to actually see the steps people are actually taking on their desktops and between systems. Um, and they've gotten 10 to 45% improvements in cycle time, um, automation rate, and manual rework in order to cache and in purchase uh, order processing. 
So the second thing that you have to do once you kind of have an idea where the, the biggest pain points are in terms of results and, and performance is you have to go ask employees directly what would make this easier. Um, and you know, to, to summarize it, they want processes that are flexible. So the likelihood of adherence increases um, if you give them flexibility. So if you think about things like you're asking them to do training, let them be able to do it on their mobile device when they want to and make the training personalized. Don't make them just have to do everything that everybody else does. So some really simple things, but you know, really, really powerful. Very cool. Very cool. And, you know, you're starting to bring in this idea of some of the processes that we run. I know you just mentioned the order to cash piece there at Siemens. And I thought that could be an interesting area for us to expand on in terms of how some existing supply chain processes across the life cycle need to adapt to better shape complexity and, and how supply chain leaders can, can help drive this. Yeah, I think this was one of the most exciting things for me is, you know, complexity is not a sexy topic but it can have some really big impacts. So one of the things uh, we've been seeing over the past few years is a shift towards using modularity in the operating model to really drive kind of smart flexibility. It kind of is like Lego blocks that, that allow you to kind of plug and play things together so that you can go faster and, um, and really um, adapt to change easier, safer, and less costly. So you don't have to be modular everywhere. Um, you need to find it in particular pockets um, where where there's a lot of complexity or fluid requirements. And that's true of kind of all of these complexity uh, aspects we're talking about. But um, one of the one of the really great examples is from Unilever. Um, and so what they've said is we have to embrace the complexity and not see it as as, as a threat. So they gave us some really good examples from China. Um, and China has, you know, these really huge demand swings for things like the double 11-11 events. And, you know, it's very hard for a supply chain to kind of keep enough buffer or to ramp up fast enough to cover something that's a, a couple hundred percent upside. Um, they also have this occurring pretty regularly with a lot of like social media events. So one of the interesting things they did was um, they created a labor bank that where they partnered with industries that have um, downtimes at the same time Unilever has peak events. And they trained people so that those people were kind of like modular to plug in to their processes for a few days or a week. And they didn't have to, you know, kind of um, pay for them. They also invested um, in using a lot of AI to predict earlier what the demand spikes were gonna look like so that they could plan ahead and start. But what they were able to get themselves set up to do was open a distribution center in three days and only have it up for like a week and take it back down. So that's a that's a huge ability to respond. Um, you know, one of the other things that they do is is they pre-qualify suppliers. So they know that they're going to have all these new product introductions happening. And, you know, when we want to build agility, we want to go add suppliers. So a lot of times when I talk with folks, it takes them 12 to 18 months to qualify and integrate a supplier. And um, Unilever was no different. But what they've been able to do with kind of having a pre-qualified list um, and going out with e-auctions and concurrent bidding is they can qualify um, and integrate the suppliers in less than three months from the time that they know they need them. So that's a, that's a huge benefit to the business being able to react. 
So if you do it, if you focus on the modularity in the right areas, you can you can really help um, launch new products and and make sure you don't lose sales. Fascinating stuff. And Unilever standing up at DC in three days, very impressive. And uh, I guess really speaks to the the power of this uh, modularity or composability, um, as some of us at, at Gartner call it. it it's fascinating. Um, now, Jenny, with these podcasts, I always want to make sure that we sort of close out the discussion with some key actions that we think clients should be taking. So would you mind just giving a bit of this guidance or advice to uh, our clients on the line as to what they should be doing as, you know, to drive value from your report here today? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the most important thing is start thinking life cycle. Don't just think about adding. Um, it will free up your resources to focus on where you want to innovate and make sure you can implement it. Across the phases, um, it's not about talking about if you want to get rid of something, it's actually shutting it off. So, so build processes that retire aspects of the operating model. In the early phases of adding it, if uh, make a check that you're not adding it. Um, and when you're creating it, making sure you're building it with modularity that will give you flexibility to go faster, both in implementation and execution. And think of ways that you can get creative in using those modules, like um, you know, Unilever did with, with thinking about how to use partners and technology in new ways. And then, you know, the really important thing to getting value from complexity is making sure if you have it, it's being used as expected. So make sure people are following the processes that you expect them to follow. Otherwise, that complexity is going to be hindering you rather than helping you. Brilliant. So really addressing those issues across the five phases of the operating model life cycle uh, makes absolute sense. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today and taking us through how CSCOs and supply chain leaders can reinvent their approach to managing the operating model so that as is doesn't become so ingrained and complex that it prevents innovation. To our audience, a huge thank you for joining us for another episode of the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast. As I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to find out more about Jennifer's executive report, Gartner clients are welcome to engage Jennifer via our inquiry service. While I'd also strongly recommend you use the link to the report in the show notes or simply go to Gartner.com and search for Tame Complexity with an Operating Model Lifecycle. Finally, if you've enjoyed our show today, please be sure to go to Gartner.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you've listened to our podcast today and give us a five-star rating, as well as subscribe to make sure you're notified once our next podcast is released. My name's Thomas O'Connor. Thank you all again, stay safe, and I can't wait to be speaking with you all again next month. Thank you. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations. 